Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Ryan Kennedy, and today I am joined by my good friend, Sasha, who I met through the Yogi Lab uh, here in Bali, and we've been able to spend some time together during this most recent trip, and I said, yo, dude, we got to sit down and record an interview because you have a lot of value to share, and uh, Sasha is really an expert when it comes to human dynamics and the interactions we have with other humans, and that's all of our relationships, our friendships, our romantic relationships, our family members, all of it, we have different differences that we can express towards other people that'll really dictate how we show up in that relationship and ultimately how that person receives it and, and ultimately like the, the dynamic that we share. So this is a super important topic because if you have shitty relationships, your health is going to suffer and your life's going to kind of suck because other humans are really what make life meaningful. And so welcome to the show, bro. Couldn't have said it any better. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, dude, I, I was just t- talking with you before this. I don't know much about your backstory. You know, we met yeah. about three years ago, and I know what you've done over the last three years, more or less, but I don't know anything other than uh, you're a good-looking guy that came from Germany, and here we are. So, so what's, uh, what, was, what was life like for you when you were uh, a, young, a young Sasha? You know, a young Sasha, I had the most amazing childhood you can probably imagine i always say like i have the the one percent of the world that can experience the life that i had because i felt like only child and spoiled with love presence and time like i literally grew up in a love bubble and i was so blessed by my parents that that i was able to receive that i never experienced any fight with them Um, wow i never saw them fight and um you know and i asked my mom just recently when she was here in bali like have you guys ever fought and she's like no we didn't and what did she credit that to um I mean, one, I think they just ha- were a really good match, obviously. But two, they just figured out, like, how how do we have to communicate with each other and how can we express our boundaries in a way that it actually, like, the other person can receive it at the same time. Yeah. So literally, when we... And it doesn't mean we didn't have arguments or we didn't have, like, disagreements and whatnot. Sure. But then we literally sit at the table and talk about this, yeah. you know? And sometimes you agree to disagree and that was perfectly fine. And mm-hmm. we just figure out a way how... Um, how do we move forward from this that we can avoid that in the future? Yeah, you know? I mean, dude, that's, I think that's what we all strive for. It's common sense, actually, right? Yeah. But then, like, a lot of people, they don't really practice what they preach. Well, we also have emotions. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to, like, know on a conscious level, hey, raising my voice is not going to help me win this argument <laughs> or this or resolve this disagreement. Yeah. But sometimes your emotions get the best of you and you end up saying things that you shouldn't have or communicating in a way that wasn't in line with your the outcomes you were wanting with mm-hmm. that you know disagreement so uh that's absolutely incredible that they just figured that out and were able to maintain that throughout their lives yeah and i think because there was so much harmony in our household like if something comes up it wasn't even a big deal mm-hmm. you know because like from the very beginning like one of the most important things is like look let's just make sure we have love in our family yeah and harmony and do you have siblings no, only oh, child. Okay, wow. Spoiled only child. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I got all the attention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. And so, how has that impacted? Like, how did that impact you as you were dating and you know finding yourself in your own relationships? Yeah, I I think one of the biggest impacts that it had on me is this this inner confidence, the self confidence that's just that's just there, and. Um, not necessarily this need to look for love outside of me mm. because I also had it at home yeah. all the time, yep. you know? So for the longest time, I didn't even know like how much that of a superpower and like a super strength that actually is um, because it was just my normal. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. y- you don't have anything to reference it against. Yeah. And um, so I think that was one of these big things. But then obviously in dating at some point, what I now know is like I sabotage myself in order to get out of this harmony love bubble and I look for the drama mm. and the toxicity and like these like roller coasters of relationships and whatnot. We all love the polarity. <sighs> yeah, we love the you po- don't have. <laughs> Bro, and I speak a lot about the power of polarity, but like yeah. when you when when this power of polarity flips in a way that it's actually not in harmony anymore, then it be- it becomes very a lot of drama. So so what do you what do you think for people that don't have that? You know, because I I feel a similar way as you do. Mm. Not that my parents never fought. Like, they were, you know, imperfect humans, as we all are. And they they would have disagreements that would escalate from time to time, but nothing crazy. But one thing that was always very clear in my family 
is that my parents loved me unconditionally. Mm. No matter what I did in school, no matter what happens, no matter what I did with my life, I knew that they always would love me and they made that very clear every day. Yeah. And so I always felt loved. Yeah. I always felt loved, but I know there's a lot of people that never had that. Yeah. They had maybe the opposite of that, where their parents made it clear to them if they didn't perform in this way or that they didn't do this right, their love was conditional upon that outcome. Mm. So I can only imagine that. And I know you work with clients on this, you know, some of the people you coach. So what do you think are some good initial steps to, to work on finding that self-love? Um, uh, it kind of goes back to confidence, right? You, you got to build up that confidence. So they're, they're figuring out ways, how can we actually give ourselves that love? And I know this mm. sounds so easy and almost like a little bit um, cheesy and simple, but um, sometimes with, with my female clients, often what I find is like embodiment practices help a lot, like even dance, like, you know, mm. a lot of them they love. They actually, there's a lot of connection that they feel with themselves when they dance. So it just becomes part of the daily practice to dance. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's that simple and it makes a huge difference. Um, and other times it's actually, the biggest one that I find is when, when clients have major issues with their parents, I actually prepare them to have that conversation with them. All these things that usually are left unexpressed mm. and we don't talk about these things. Yeah. Um, and therefore it creates these internal blockages, you know, and that, that makes us even smaller. So as soon as we go through all these practices and even like role modeling, um, and then they have this conversation, it releases so much and a lot of this weight is just lifted off their shoulders mm. and they just step into a new world. Yeah, you know? yeah, I could see that because I'm sure the vast majority of parents do love their kids unconditionally, they just don't know how to show it. Correct. And they don't know how to express it in a way that conveys that. Yeah. So when you have that brief <clears throat> talk, you can actually uncover some layers that gives you that insight. And that's both ways, right? Because those clients often, these people, these kids, yeah. they don't talk to their parents in that way either, mm. often. Yeah. So once the parents can actually hear and understand a little bit more, where's my kid actually coming from, that real, then they realize, oh wow, okay, this is, I, I had no idea that this is the impact that I had on you. Yeah, you know? how they were seeing it. And actually they're coming much closer together, mm. you know, in many ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think one of the best ways I've learned for myself, and I'm sure this applies to a lot of people, to gain confidence, is just by doing shit. Yeah. Having a track record where you can look back on and say, yeah, I have confidence in my ability to help people get well, because I've helped thousands of people get well, but early on I didn't have that. Yeah. You know, when I was first getting started and I hadn't helped many people, I felt that lack of confidence, but over the years and over the reps, and as you start to build this track record in your mind of like all this feedback and all these <coughs> results and all these, and it could apply to anything. I'm yeah. using it in my context, but yeah. this could apply no matter what career, what industry you're in, is just going out and doing the thing and putting in the work, and then you'll over time start to have that confidence because that's ultimately what confidence is, right? A belief in ourselves and Correct. what's an easier way to believe in yourself than by having a successful track record of, of doing it yeah and that also only happens if you have to go through these failures it's mm -hmm. not like the way like the confidence is one thing and the capability that comes with with that confidence right but it's also vice versa yeah and you're only getting more capable and more skillful in all these different areas when you do these things and you go through these learning curves that's right you know for me my analogy is always basketball because i have this professional basketball background yeah yeah so dude you're like what <laughs> tell me about what happened here when did you get into basketball it's like a yo super young kid? Yeah, when I was 10 years old. Oh, I was okay. playing soccer first, and then when okay. I was 10, I was um, playing basketball. And then within the first three months, I was basically scouted into becoming, I don't know, part of like 40, 50 kids to... They basically prepped us to become part of the national team, potentially at some point. Mm. And then with 13, 14, I actually was scouted as the top 12 of Germany. Wow. And, uh, and then we had European championships. My whole life was just dedicated dedicated to basketball from wow. morning to evening like boarding school and was, like the were you getting shebang. paid for this was this like a professional no, level? like as a junior you don't really get paid okay um i mean you get all the support and equipment and clothing and you know like you're yeah. traveling around all that is covered sure but it's not really you you're not building yeah and so were you minor. still where was it to a point where you weren't even taking classes like in school in high school were so you just were, in sports yeah, so this boarding school that I went to, sometimes we weren't in school for like six to eight weeks because wow. we were just traveling around, yeah, yeah. you know, and having tournaments and European championships or like qualification rounds and like yeah. all these different things. Um, and I basically also didn't have much homework. 
because of that. Sure. They knew, like, we're not yeah. there. Yeah. And my, my whole school year was stretched. Instead of three years, it was four years, for example. Mm, okay. So I have less content throughout the week, so I don't miss as much. I see. It I was see. amazing. Like, it was an amazing time. And how long did you partake in this, the basketball? So the international part, I think, was, like, until the age of 18, 20 or something. Mm. Uh, but I was still playing on a fairly high level until 28 when I moved to Bali. Really? Yeah. So your whole, almost your whole 20s. And yeah. after, after that point, like as you were in your 20s, was this playing for like a professional league where you were being paid and this was like your, your no, career? No, like in that regard, it was more like a um, like a hobby, I guess. Okay. Um, it's It was still over-regional, so not just Berlin. It was way more like some, some of those teams that we played against was like six, eight hours away. So, you okay. know, it was still regional. Yeah. Um, but not to the extent of actually getting properly paid for it. And so what did you do for money? Um... <clears throat> I mean, when I was a teenager, I was being a bartender, like doing okay. all these other, you know, um, side gigs, gigs and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then at some point, we, I was part of a, an agency, a brand incubator agency. So we, we created online brands from scratch. Oh, cool. Did everything in-house from the very first idea to the final product and distribution and supply chain and production in China and whatever. It's like we did everything in-house. Yeah. And, um, and, and that was fun. And then what um, drew you out of the sport and, you know, inspired you to move to Bali? Um, so I came here the first time because of a recommendation of a good friend. And then once that happened, all of a sudden I found myself here coming back every year, every year, my whole holiday. Like I yeah. just was like, okay, I take those four weeks. I'm going to come to Bali. Yeah. And I had my group here, I had my friends and everything else. And then someone was like, you know what? I kind of want to live here. Mm -hmm. I knew that the very first time I came to Bali, but I never really looked into it because I had this perfect setup in Berlin, you know, yeah. model girlfriend, beautiful family, job, car, everything is like great, you yeah, know. Yeah. People looked at me, how the hell can you even think about leaving? This mm -hmm. is like dream life type. But I still felt that void, you know, mm -hmm. something was missing. Mm. And, um, and then I looked into like, how can I actually move to Bali? And then within two months, I had a full setup, got headhunted all of a sudden. Um, and then I moved to Bali. Wow. You know. Wow, yeah. and what were you doing here when you first when you first moved? Pretty much the same thing that I've done for the agency. Okay. Um, like the whole brand management um, operations, like COO type stuff. Um, but then I left that quite quite quickly and like started to do my own thing. Yeah. And how'd you meet the guys with the Yogi Lab? How'd that how that because get started? Because of Karma House. Oh, yeah. so you were doing so some work with with the. It was a Karma House for people listening in. Is a uh, tattoo studios <laughs> primarily like a. It's a community hub. It's a, a tattoo studio slash dance yoga studio slash conscious cafe type, you know, healthy food. Yeah. And um, Aaron and I, we were we were initially like he brought this concept to me, and I loved it. And like he asked me to write the business plan for him, so I wrote the business plan. And you guys were just uh, homies at this point. We were homies at that time. Got it. And then um, yeah, and then at some point, you know, Dave got involved and a bunch of other people like investors and whatnot. And then it was like. Dave was like, look, here's the Yogi Lab, you know, like, yeah. do we want to do this? Yeah. So it actually all started with Karma House. Oh, and I didn't then know from that. there, it came to the next one. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very yeah. cool, man. And so now you're in a little bit of a different situation from a business perspective. Yeah. What do you do now? If, if people, you know, you meet someone out at a, at a gathering <clears> and they say, hey, Sasha, what do you do for, for business? What, how do you describe it? You know, like, I still struggle with that, to be perfectly honest. Cause I think I, most, most of us do. Oh, man, it's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, um, it's, I have a con coaching consulting business. Okay. You know? Yeah, at a very um, high level. Yeah, so I, I got very lucky that a lot of my clients are actually um, business owners, executives, managers. Like, you know, they, they, run, they have their own show, yeah. pretty much. Um, and I help them either with the whole human behaviors, relationship dynamics, and one thing that you missed when you introduced me is it's actually not just friends and family and, and it's it's business partners and colleagues right. a lot as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and for these type of people that are on, on, on top of the, the food chain, that becomes a really important piece. Totally. Um, and then, so it's a lot in the, in the communication, relationship, human dynamics and behaviors type area and or mindset, you know, which is a big one for women more than for men in terms of confidence, I find. Um, so and actually, communication is a big one for women. So, what what are the main issues people have when they when they seek you out for for help? Um, women lack of confidence, which either translates into the relationships that they have with their significant others, or their business partners, or sometimes even colleagues that mm -hmm. they just walk over them. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it uh, happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, 
And for men, it's it, in the, in the relationship area. It's like they they find themselves in very toxic relationships or whatever. They don't really know like what to do, and they're trying. They're chasing. They're mm. chasing something that's actually they're realizing it's not really good for me. Mm. Um, or performance, you know. And then it goes back to the mind, you know, the mental performance. And oh, yeah. actually, one thing for women is they have all these ideas. They're super creative, right? There's so much, but then like actually bringing it down. It's like okay, it's this, this, and this. Like, those are the main things. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, now I have some, now they have some clarity, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, I like it, man. So what's the, some of the initial steps when you are working with someone? Do you have, a, like, a framework you lead people through? Yes and no. <clears throat> I started with a framework initially, and then I moved completely away from it. Mm -hmm. Because I realized, imagine, like, I have a program, let's say, you know, 12 weeks, and then week one, I want to do this, and week two, week three, you know, X, yeah. Y, Z. And I realized that doesn't work for my clients mm. because let's say in week one or week two, I want to do vision as an example, but like just the day before they had a massive fight with their partner. It's like, we don't need to talk about vision. We need to figure out like what's happening here. Sure. So it became way more important for me to have a massive toolbox of all different kinds of things and like make it a way more intuitive process yeah. to work with them based on what's really happening there. Now, yeah. There's still some sort of structure in there for each session um, and for the whole program, but it's it's a little bit more loose to really see like what are we actually working with, mm. which you don't know in the beginning, right? Yeah. You know that with your clients. Of course, everyone's yeah. got their own thing going on that yeah. requires a different yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I know you run a podcast. I was on yeah. last week. What's what's that called? <clears throat> Undressed. Undressed. Yeah. And and what's the premise of the show? The premise of the show is to bring men and women together and have a more harmonious relationship with each other. Because what happens a lot is we're not really having raw, open, honest conversations with each other. Um, and we're not really discussing the things that frustrate us, that we don't love about each other, that the things that we love about each other, the things that we don't understand. You know, all of these different things, we want to actually put it on the table and discuss and talk about this in the open without like any filters. And that's quite challenging for some people, especially specifically if you have like some more provocative topics sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, this really helps us to bring us closer together. So it's an it's an inclusive platform to have open, raw, honest conversations between men and women. Got it. And and why do you think that is that uh, people don't <coughs> like to have these conversations? Because we all know, like intuitively and also just consciously, hey, uh, until what. What needs to be said is said. Nothing is going to improve, right? But yeah. we we'll kick that count down the road for weeks. And I'm guilty of this too. I'm not perfect. Like I, I've gotten a lot better over the years. I used to really be non-confrontational okay. and just avoid it at all costs. You know, living with roommates during college, where it's like, you know, whatever. My buddy leaves a bunch of dishes in the sink, and I'm just like, oh, that kind of grinds my gears, bro. Like, clean up after yourself, <laughs> you know. But like, I wouldn't go to him and be like, yo, dude, clean up your fucking dishes. Like, this isn't cool. We all live here. This is a community space. Yeah. I would just like kind of let it boil under the surface and be like, oh, I hope he cleans up. Fuck, I don't want to talk to him about it. So why is that? Like, what is it about human nature that causes that barrier of just saying like, hey, do this. Like, this is what needs to be said. And one thing you already said is like, you, we kind of avoid conflict. Yeah, why? Right? It's, it, I think part of it is because we're stepping a little bit to an unknown. Mm. Uh, we don't know how the other person is going to react. Um, part of it is like we might get rejected. You know, part of it is we don't know how to communicate properly that one, the other person can receive it yeah. and two, we can really stand up for ourselves and our values and what we really want to bring to the table here right now too that needs to be addressed. Yeah. And um, and then sometimes maybe even like the lack of confidence, you know, and, and I, I love conflict. Mm. I love confrontations. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> I realized it, it's like this, I, I kind of claim it as athlete mentality because mm. I realized in order for me to be able to play on an international level, I need to be able to look at my failures and, and like really invite criticism into my life. Otherwise, mm. I'm not going to be able to get better. Yeah. So therefore, applying the same concept to life is like, one, I want you to call me out on my bullshit because sure. that's the only way how I can actually become a better human being. Totally. And like you basically doing, you, you're giving me a gift. <clears throat> you're giving me a gift because you, you're putting me much closer in touch with myself and therefore closer with reality. Yeah. So it's a piece of truth that you give me. Yeah, that constructive know? feedback is key, dude. Right? Um, so then I realized, okay, in order to do that, I really need to be able to invite uncomfortable conversations into my life. 
And then I was looking for every uncomfortable conversation that I can possibly find. And I just had these conversations until they realized they're not really that uncomfortable. No. People make them to be more uncomfortable than they really are. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. And most often people do receive it well, especially if you say it in the right way. Correct. Because I started, you know, like I said, when I was younger, I found this super challenging. I would just kind of avoid it and be like, ah, whatever. And then I started really like, getting after it kind of like what you're saying i didn't love it but i was like you know what this is gonna bug me like for the next few days it's gonna be on my mind and if i tell this person what i want to say it's not gonna bug me it's gonna be off my mind it's gonna clear my my headspace i'm gonna be just feeling overall better like this is important for my peace of mind yeah to say this thing rather than just mull it over mentally for days or weeks and just have, have it sit there in your you know in your in your mind space yeah so i started doing this and i found like most people would receive it really well and those who didn't and would take it like up the ass and would be like super butthurt about it. Uh, I realized like those aren't my people. Exactly. You know, it was a great way to just kind of weed through humans and be like, oh, like if I tell you this thing that's like in a nice way, in a very like honest way, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not, you know, being an asshole about it. And then you receive that and you're all like up in arms about it. It's probably someone I don't really want in my life. Yeah. You know? And there's another realization that I had with, with this, when you brought up this example with the dirty dishes, right? It's like, we can avoid the conflict with the other person, but we're not really avoiding the conflict. The conflict is just here, and it's still inside, just inside of you, yeah. you know? So these idea, this idea of people like, ah, oh, you know, let me just avoid the conflict because yep. I don't want to step into it. It's like, you actually do still have that conflict inside of you. Yeah, it's worse. It's even worse. Jordan yeah. Peterson, I think he always says... Um, Conflict avoided is conflict multiplied. Yeah. Same conflict. That's the same, really, same concept, right? Really well said. Really well said. Because I see it in like the most micro scenarios every day. Mm-hmm. And like I'll be out to, to dinner yeah. um, with my partner, Ashley. Not to throw her under the bus or anything. But she's just like the most kind person I've ever met. She's yeah. just such a sweetheart. And she just doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. And she's just like, whatever. And so like she'll order something and they'll totally fuck it up. They'll, she'll order like, you know. A burger and they'll bring her like a pizza or something like yeah. totally out, out of like out and i'll be like ashley say something she'll be like no it's okay i'll just eat it it's fine like they're here to like make you happy if you tell them like hey this is what i ordered they'll fix it they're not going to be like personally upset by this mm-hmm. you know they're going to be like hey we want to do better as a business so like tell us what could be better yeah. but she'll just be like no no i don't want to say anything and then i'll be like it's okay i'll tell them and she'll be like no no don't tell them don't say anything <laughs> i'm like it's fine um but i think it comes back to a lot of like how we're raised because mm. i know for me at least i was raised in a house that avoided conflict mm. we wouldn't have these hard conversations unless it was like really boiling over the surface mm. unless it was like past the point of we should have had it you know many months ago yeah. and i think i got ingrained in that it's like yeah you just keep the peace you know you just try and avoid it but that really does the opposite mm. right it doesn't keep any peace it actually creates all sorts of turmoil and like exactly. resentment and <laughs> passive aggressive behavior yes. and all this shit um when i when i woke up to that realization you know i'm like yeah why doesn't everyone just do this you know but to your point i think it's, it's confidence of yeah. just having the, the inner strength to tell people like this is how i feel take it for what you will but like i gotta say what i gotta say Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like I was quite blessed to have learned this at a very young age. One, with my parents and two, just having this basketball background, because we constantly, even as players playing with each other, we had to call each other out on our bullshit. Mm-hmm. Wrong defense position, bad shot here. This yeah. is like, you know, yeah. it's just like it's so ingrained in us to in order to become better and like win yeah. as a team. We have to do that. Yep. It's definitely you know? a big thing in sports. And dude, one way that this was explained to me, I read this in a book. That one of my favorite business books, The Road Less Stupid. Okay. Keith Cunningham, the guy's a G. Yeah. And uh, he basically had a line in this that I wrote down in my notes immediately, really sung true, which is like, you'd say it. Yeah. So when you don't, it's really that you just don't care enough. It's, it's, I, I would go even further. I 100% agree with that. I would go even further. It's a disrespect to the other person. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden you put on a mask and like portray a different version of yourself in order to avoid whatever. 
and therefore you don't even allow this other person to really see you who you are yeah. and what's like under like under lying you know what's there like yeah. inside of you yeah and i feel like that's just disrespectful it so is. i might as well give you all of me and then you can either like it or not like it and we can just take it from there you know and i want everything from you too if you don't like show me everything that you are then it's like well what are we doing yeah you know yeah dude and it's almost like as a small example if we go out to somewhere to grab food sasha and you got like some cilantro in your teeth. You got like some snot on your face. I'd be like, Sasha, like, dude, you got some something in your mouth. Like, you got you clean, you. <laughs> clean these boogers off your eye, bro. And you'd be like, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for letting me know because I obviously can't see my own teeth. We're yeah. out at lunch. Uh, thank you. But like some people won't do that. Yeah. They won't say anything. Nope. They'll just go like hours and be like, why didn't no one tell me this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> But it's uncomfortable. It is. I mean, but why but it is shouldn't it uncomfortable? Be. Exactly. I didn't put it there. Yeah, like, exactly. I, it's, it's like not there. nothing. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, help, it's a strict value and service to you. Correct. Like there's no judgment. There's no like, you know, yeah, it's, it's so strange, dude. Yeah. I don't understand that about the human mind. Yeah. And you find this a lot in relationships. Yeah. Any type of relationship, you know, could be, could be Ashley, could be anyone else. And it's like, we're not really expressing the things that we feel like, well, kind of like, I want to say those, these things. And then we kind of hold back. Yeah. And we're not allowing the other person to really see all of the different facets and colors of reality. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's, that's, why? Are there some exercises you recommend <clears throat> to people to get better at this? Yeah, yeah, plenty. Like um, what, what, what are some things people could do tomorrow if they were like, man, I hate hard conversations. This is like resonating with me. I struggle with this shit. What yeah. can I do to start, you know, putting in some there, reps? There are different frameworks that you can, you can work with. Um, so one thing, if, if I have a really tough conversation that I need to have, the first thing, the first thing that I always do is like, I ask for permission. Hey Ryan, do you have some time right now? Like there, there's a couple things that I really need to get off my chest. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a good time right now? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay, great. Cool. So I have your buy-in, which yep. is amazing. Yep. Next thing is I lead with my feelings. Like one, I know my intentions. Like what do I actually want to get out of this? And then I lead with my feelings. I'm not going to say it's like, well, you did this and this, that made me feel X, Y, Z. Cause then I basically attack you and you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, going into a defense mode. Yep. Um, but if it's like, man, you know, I really felt totally upset because like, you know, you kind of like totally ghosted me yesterday, even though we were in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. That's a, that's a very different um, approach. And then you kind of want to get to like a compromise, whatever that looks like, you know. Um, and for me personally, in order to add to this, I, I always use this concept of like pulling the trigger first. I, the most uncomfortable, challenging thing I say in the beginning because I just want to get it off my chest. Mm. So <clears throat> you don't believe in this like compliment sandwich idea? No. I've no. heard people say that where no. it's like you lead with like a nice thing. No. Like, Sashi looks so no. handsome today. And then I say, hey, bro, you're, you're a dirtbag. And then I say, but your hair is really nice. No, it's stupid. I yeah, don't think it, it like, is stupid. We're, we're sugarcoating something. Yeah, I don't know you where know? that came from. Yeah. So I'll give you a good example. Like when I, when I quit my job in Berlin mm. and I told both of my partners, it's like, hey, look, um, like I need to have a meeting with you. They you had down. two girlfriends at the time. What what do you mean? No, 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 no. Um, my business, business partners. partners. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, Wouldn't put it past you, bro. <laughs> so, and then they sit down, and the first thing is like, "Hey, look. So, I want to quit my job. Mm -hmm. I want to get out of here as fast as I can. I'm gonna move to Bali. And now, let me explain why and how and like and everything else. Yeah. So I made I made sure like from the very beginning, everyone knows exactly why we're here, rather than like beating around the bush and talking about everything else. And I still know, yeah. like, fuck, I need to address this thing. Like, I still yeah. have to say that. I just make my life way more complicated than just bringing it up in the very beginning. Mm. So I believe, like, pull the trigger first. Okay. After you have the buy-in, you know? Yeah. And then and then you take it from there. And you will see, like, sometimes people start shaking a little bit mm. and they have this internal thing. It's like, wow, yeah. now it's out. Like, you can yeah. feel this energy that is, like, all of a sudden, like, moving again. You're releasing it, man. It feels so freeing. Yeah. Every time I have a hard conversation with someone, I just feel lighter. Yeah. It feels so much better. Yeah. I could weight off your chest yes. and I just like, it, I, I celebrate Perfect. it. I'm always stoked. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that partners, for example, can do is I give you three minutes. I'm just going to sit and you speak about whatever you want. Oh, that's so hard for people, bro. Yeah. But like yeah. you can, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just like, and it's if good, you want to be silent advice. for three minutes, yeah. then like, okay, be silent. And then it's my turn. You know, that's one exercise. Yeah. If you want to go into the next few levels, you're like, okay, you speak for three minutes and then you talk about whatever, X, Y, Z. And it's like, okay, thank you for sharing this with me, Ryan. Um, what I heard is this. Mm -hmm. And then I repeat just to make sure I really fully understand what you actually said. Yeah. And then you're like, 
yes, that's exactly what I said, or mm -hmm. no, this is not what I was trying to say. Yeah. Let me do it again. Yeah, so you know, make sure they're receiving it properly. And we're making sure we're really like on the same page here. I understand you fully, and you have expressed it exactly in a way that I get it. Yeah. You know? And then it's my turn. Yeah, what I've witnessed happen, dude, is in this type of scenario, I start saying how I feel, and then you know, someone cuts you off. Not, this doesn't happen for me, but in past relationships, yeah. and I've, I've experienced this, where it's like, you can't even say what you're trying to say because they'll immediately cut you off. No, I didn't do that. Like, I didn't say that. And they start to get super defensive. Yeah. And that's where I think having the time where they just sit and listen to the whole thing through exactly. is key. That's yeah. key. Um, and it's active listening, too, because yeah. it's like I have to read back to, what, read back to you what you actually mm -hmm. said. Yeah. You know? So if I'm, if I'm already thinking about the way how I'm going to respond, then I'm kind of missing half of the things that you actually said. Yeah. You know, so the whole point is like actively listening yeah. what you said so I can repeat it back to you. Yeah. The other thing I found to be super helpful for this is doing breath work mm. before because then your heart is much more open. Yeah. You're much more receptive. You have a lot more empathy and you have a lot more um, willingness to hear people out and not feel judged and not yeah. put judgment onto them. And yeah. you just have this different heart space. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could do the same with like MDMA or something along those lines, but breath work is a lot easier and are you, it's legal. Are, are you promoting MDMA right now, Ryan? <laughs> a lot of good clinical studies showing that it's great for relationship counseling. Yeah, that's like true. one of the that. that's one of the use cases that MDMA is being used for is actually for marriage therapy and like kind of couples mm. working through this stuff because it it brings those walls down that people build up. It removes all the filters. Exactly. It just removes all of the filters. And you know? you're speaking from a place of love and not necessarily feeling this like anger or resentment or any of these other emotions. You're actually like, I really care about this person and I'm not trying to win this argument. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to help them because you have this like incredible open heart that changes the dynamic entirely. Yeah, which I think you just said something really amazing that my parents always practice a lot. It's not like, one against the other it's like we're on the same team yeah whatever the problem is how can we fix it mm -hmm. rather than like you're the problem or i am the problem it's like no 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 we have that problem how do we together fix it as a team you know yeah it's a huge different um difference in terms of mindset and the way how this is going to be approached rather than like you're right or wrong yeah yeah, yeah. so dude i want to switch gears a little bit okay 18 no MDMA talk anymore. <laughs> we might circle back to it <laughs> something you sent me yeah 18 months semen retention. Yeah. Never heard of such a long stretch. Yeah. And for anyone that's listening to the audio version, Sasha would have no trouble finding a nice mate to engage with. So I don't think it's because of that. <laughs> what, what caused you to embark on this? It was a couple of different things. Um, one, it was just a challenge. I mean, I've been on this tantric practice of semen retention for 15 and 30 and 45 days or whatever um, mm -hmm. in the past, but never that long. And um, the, the goal was 90 days and use those 90 days and combine that with a lot of other practices and meditations to just understand and work with my sexual energy in, in new ways that I haven't been able to, to do before, you know. Mm, okay. And I had like full body orgasms before, you know. So there's a lot of things that I've kind of have experienced in the past, but I didn't really know how to access that again properly. Yeah. So then my coach, he was like 90 days. It's like, but you were still having sex or no sex? No, I was six months celibate. Oh wow! Um, and then like properly not touching, no, no, no kissing, no nothing, like just being with myself. And you didn't have a partner at this time? No. Okay. And then uh, and then it continued the semen retention for another year. After you started. Sex. What? Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. That's very impressive. Thank you. I've done this for periods of time. Um, successfully and uh, like, the thought we're of, talking about one two days or like, no we're talking about <laughs> like one two weeks <laughs> no really it's hard bro it's really hard <clears throat> to not only um, to just have the discipline to not want to go all the way to the end mm. is uh, it, it takes a lot of willpower which I think is like that's that there was one of these big reframes um, like there is no end like this whole idea of like sexual intimacy, like it ends and finishes with the idea of like having this orgasm and coming as a man. Yeah. That in itself is like a, it's a huge illusion. You think? I think so. Why is that? Because I look at it from like an evolutionary perspective and sure. that the reason we have sexual desires is yeah. because humans are genetically designed to want to create offspring. Correct. To want to, you yeah. know, grow, grow the species. Yeah. Like that's what we're hardwired yeah. to do. And Correct. that's why we have these sexual desires, right? Yeah. And you can't grow the human race if you're not blowing your load, right? So 
that's that's the way I look at it. Is like I see it as an evolutionary mechanism. Yeah, but every time you have sex with your partner, do you thinking about uh, procreation? Not every time. <laughs> <laughs> so there is an element where it's like the yeah. the purpose is not to make a baby. The purpose is like to deeply, in a very sacred union, connect with each other, right, and well, have that pleasure. Consciously, perhaps, yeah. right. But I think biologically, yeah. my body doesn't know that I'm not trying to have a baby. Sure. I think biologically, yeah. it's saying, yeah, we need to spread the seed. We need to, you know, make some babies. Yeah. So that's where I think it becomes really challenging and why I could see that as just the strictly biology perspective. Not looking at mm -hmm. the spiritual side, not mm -hmm. looking at like your intentions, yeah. you know, from me not, you know, having sex, not wanting to, you know, get my partner pregnant. Yeah. But at the same time... Um, That's what I think. That's why a lot of people struggle with it, myself yeah. included. Yeah. So let, I come back to this in a second. Now look at breathwork. Yeah. It's like we're like biologically we're breathing all the time. Yeah. Yet you're still manipulating the breath to get like other benefits out of it. Totally. Right. It's the same thing, in some ways. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I cool. can see that. I'm happy that, that this <laughs> I'll, I'll entertain it. So, so what? What do you? What have you experienced? On the, in, in past ex, in past you know journeys you've done in this realm, as well as this most recent. 18 month long stint what yeah. would you say are some of the outcomes you received both expected and unexpected um the first time unexpected full body orgasm which so so describe that to me because so i feel like I, every time i have an orgasm it's my full body no like i mean for, for me at least that's not so all of a sudden and this was not even having sex i was just receiving a blowjob okay and um and all of a sudden like I felt this energy going up my body and then basically going into my legs as well to an extent of like, it's my hands, what you have in breathwork, my mm. hands were like T-Rex. Yeah, oh yeah. Technique. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. full on, like I, yeah. I just felt like I'm, my whole body is full of ecstasy right now. Yep. I can't control anything. I wasn't hard. I wasn't coming. And for, you weren't even hard. I wasn't even hard at that point anymore. And you had and my up whole body for 15, 20 minutes I was just vibrating like, um, like, like just put my finger into like a fucking socket. Wow. And then during that time, I wanted to touch her at some point, yeah. you know, just, and like my hand was literally pushed away because there was too much energy between us. It's like, and I didn't know what, I had no idea what was happening to me. You know, I was just allowed it to happen. And breath was actually a really, really important element of it where I was breathing into it. So this energy can really what, flow through my whole body. What type of breath rhythm were you doing this t at this time? I don't know. <laughs> it was like totally unconscious. Just, I had no idea what was happening to me. You really? Know? And then I talked to Tantra teachers and I talked to friends who were in this um, field. And then I was like, what happened to me? What was this? Like, how can I get this again? Because like that, yeah, yeah. that state of ecstasy was like a whole new like level. Nirvana. Yeah. And you're saying this happened because you think of the semen retention? No, that was before that. Ah. Um, but I was on this practice on and off. So did you ever figure out how you access that state? All the time? No. Well, not do all know, the time. No, but, like, but do I know? Do I know it? a few things? Um, well, I think with the right partner, you can. And you, what were you doing with the partner that elicited this this effect? It's like this this deep amount, and this sounds a little bit fluffy almost, but it's this deep amount of presence, and like really like surrendering into this moment of like for a man, I think it's really hard to just receive. Hmm. We're always in this 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 element of like oh we want to give, we want to do like you know we need to be active type thing. Mm -hmm. um, And there I was really able to just like allow myself to receive and use the breath and the energy, which obviously all the meditation like helped a lot to just be way more in touch with that and like being present with the breath that I had to really allow this to get to this ecstatic state. That's wild, dude. Yeah. That's wild. So this is what was one of the reasons you pursued this, this semen retention because also, what you, yeah. so what you're describing of this full body like orgasm that's like almost incapacitates you. I've experienced it with prostate stimulation, mm -hmm. um, but never what you're describing. I've never, I, it, the, I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to even wrap my head, hand or, head around this. Even for me at that yeah. time, brother. I was like, what the hell just happened to me? I was yeah. literally like, I had so many question marks. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And I, and I talked to like And do you experts. think it was the partner that was like, was this some sort of like <clears throat> spiritual guru yogi chick that was like putting out all these crazy things? You no, think? no, 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 no. I mean, it was my partner, obviously, but yeah. like, no, no, no. It's just like two people that were, you know, um, Are you still with her? Tune. No, no. But did she replicate that? Did you guys replicate this experience again? Not to that extent. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but you know, these 18 months of, of retention, mm -hmm. there were so many other things that I, that I learned from it. Mm. Like I feel like in some ways my whole perception and my whole idea around sexuality changed a lot because one, I took out this idea of like the finish line, mm -hmm. you know, like I need to come at the end and it yeah. became way more like a, um, connective approach. Um, so if you go on here, <laughs> here's the <laughs> challenge I've run into. Maybe you have some, some tantric secrets you could share with me it, and I'm I, not a tantra expert at all I yeah? just <laughs> FYI like <laughs> I'm just experimenting with myself yeah well whether you're self-proclaimed or not I think uh, you clearly know a thing or two I might not know so whenever I experiment with these uh, I guess you can call it semen retention where you don't finish you don't you don't ejaculate after yeah. sex yeah um, I just feel like this pent-up energy for the days leading after that and I feel like it can almost create um like i don't know it's it, some of it can be channeled in a positive way correct but some of it i i almost feel like i'm just more irritable and i don't feel like as like relaxed and and chill and like good as yeah. i would if i just you know blew my load yeah yeah do you well, do you get that yes yeah absolutely but the problem with that is it's because we haven't in, in this case let's just use use you as an example it's like you you have not been able to properly like almost like increase your capacity so to be able to handle and navigate these amounts of energy that you accumulate because you're not blowing a load mm. like what to do with this what, what do easiest, i do with it well like you know meditation obviously helps a lot and i'm sure if you really if, oh yeah you can really work with these energies and bring them up mm. uh, and one of these things why i had these t-rex hands yeah. during this experience is like they told me because i didn't know how to release that energy through the crown Ah. Um, and that it was stuck in my body. So yeah. the easiest way where the energy can be stuck is like in your extremities. Sure. Um, and that's why I had these hands. Like usually when you have like these experts and they have these full body orgasms, they don't have that because they don't, they know how to release that energy. Mm. Um, which is still a little bit of a question mark for me to be perfectly honest. Yeah. So what's the benefit of releasing it through your crown versus <clears throat> releasing it through your dick? Like the energy's got to go somewhere, right? Yeah. You don't just want to bottle it up. For sure. So what, But how what, do you feel when you come? I feel great. <laughs> but how do you feel after? I feel really good. Like people yeah. talk You're about not like get tired and feel a little bit depleted and like kind of like just want to like relax and like you could just at night sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the, the outcome I'm looking for. Right. Cause I go to bed after and it's yeah. like kind of forays really nicely. Yeah. It's like nature's melatonin almost, yeah. you know, like it just <laughs> puts you to sleep. You feel super good. You yeah. sleep great. Um, but even at, after morning sex, I don't feel that like, ejaculation hangover people talk about mm -hmm. maybe it's because of my age or because i eat well and do other yeah. things right like yeah. have more nutrients yeah. like i'm not depleted in a bunch of minerals and nutrients like an average person might be yeah. so that could be part of it but like afterwards like i feel great mm. i don't feel like uh lethargic or low energy or any of that stuff exception to the rule you think dude i know a lot of people that i think would agree with me yeah, I mean, I'm sure. But, but like, you think the you over think half, you think over half would say, like, if I have morning sex, I'm, like, dragging ass all day? I think that's part of it. I mean, you can you can probably combat that with a bunch of coffee and, like, other things, sure. right? Sure, mask so, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so questionable is, like, how much are they actually feeling the depletion or not? That's fair. That's right? a fair assertion. What are some of your favorite, do you, uh, I know you're not a tantric expert, Sasha, but, <laughs> yeah, so you know, like, like, come uh, on, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this stuff. Um, uh, as you've gone through this journey, like what are some other things you've uncovered or some other benefits you've found? Um, you, okay, here's another big one for me. It's this, this idea of chasing women kind of changed completely. I mean, it hasn't really been there before anyway, but like you, if you have that energy, this accumulated energy that you're just not releasing in, in that regard, then you walk into a room and women can smell it. The pheromones. Seriously. You think it's the pheromones? Oh, I, I mean, like I just yeah. say, smell it, but they can yeah, see it. They, they can, can feel it. The they energy, see the vibrancy yeah. of your skin or whatever. Like interesting, you know. And like, what is sexual energy? It's the energy of creation because we're creating babies, and it's the yeah. energy of manifestation. Yeah, you know. But if we're releasing it all the time, we're not yeah. really able to use that. That's fair. And, so and you feel like it's attracting women to you. Women opportunities. Like, there's a lot of things that you can like mm. gain from that. And mm. I think in terms of the relationship that you have with your significant others. If you're, if you take out the whole idea of like coming at the end, you, you're able to create a whole new way of connecting on a much, much deeper level with your woman. Cause a lot of women they're they're not used to it. And a mm -hmm. lot of women actually, what I realized as well, um, they almost want the men to come. Yeah. Otherwise they don't feel accomplished. That's right. Which is like, 
let's take this completely out of the picture. It's not like mm. why we're connecting to like have this as the final goal. Mm. Like there's so much more in between and like further than that. And we're limiting ourselves to, to this one thing, like to, mm. you know, blow a load. Yeah. And um, so I think the depth of the connection that you can connect and the, like actually even more safety for her that you can create when you just take that out. Plus a good side effect is like you can just go all night. Oh, I don't understand this, dude. I feel like the longer I retain semen, the the least the less my stamina. I feel like I'm not able to go nearly as long <laughs> if, I, if I haven't, you know. Whereas if I'm having like sex regularly and blowing my load regularly, I feel like my stamina is much much better. Yeah. So let's take this one night first. Okay. Like if you just take out like not coming. Yeah. Then like you can go all night with your woman. I just don't understand. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. If you don't go all the way, like, if you stop, ed like, you can edge, but you don't yeah. go all the way so to you, the finish you, line. So you just edge, pump the brakes, edge, pump the brakes, just, like, yeah. continue that. And you I really can learn okay. how to control your animalistic instincts of just, like, yeah. blowing. But there's no you way know? you found a woman that wants you to fuck her all night. I feel like she'd be wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, no, but really, like, people say these words, and I'm just like, no, but there's like, no you, way, dude. It's Look, if you, a lot of men, actually, and you probably know this better than I with your with your practice, they, a lot of men, they have, like, massive issues with, like, um, the dysfunction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of the erectile dysfunction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what they call it, right? That's it. Um, so this is a, this is a ma massive thing that can help them, you know? And if, if a woman, like, has a man coming, like, after two, three minutes, she's, she's not going to be happy. She's not going to be satisfied with that. Of course. So if you, like, all of a sudden take this whole thing of, like, coming completely out of the picture and you use, like, different practices and exercises to delay that yeah then like you're gonna do her a big favor yeah. and yourself yeah well, i could see right. how it could be uh, alluring for a woman <laughs> yeah yeah i could see that and so um how do you avoid the wet dreams because anytime i've tried semen retention know. bro like i'll get like a few weeks in and it's like uh, outside my control i i get it and i got asked this question a lot in the past i don't know i never had a wet dream oh you're missing out dude they're the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't know what it, controls it that. like from from like yeah, even in my younger ages, I, I never really had a wet dream. Mm. Um, so even those 18 months, it didn't really happen. Got it. Yeah. Got it, got it. So okay, okay. So what, are you still on this 18 months? No. no oh, okay. I, I so you broke the streak? Completed. Finished. That must have, been, <laughs> <laughs> must have been quite the finale. You know, actually, to be perfectly honest, it wasn't. Really? Yeah. Wasn't a good experience? You don't, well, have to, you don't have to talk about the details if you don't want. No, no, no. But like, it's it. It was actually an important lesson for me because the even though I had a beautiful connection with that woman, it wasn't the right one. Mm. And then like it, it kind of led up to this like okay, like not like today is the day, but like you know, it was we were on a holiday and whatnot. Yeah. And then it kind of happened, and it wasn't really this like beautiful like union and experience that I imagined sure and then it actually took a couple times for me like a couple days to really like feel the the pleasure and the satisfaction like even within myself to this fullest extent you know i see so it was an interesting experience but like the big lesson behind it was like it was just not the right woman and i just yeah. gave my life force away yeah you know yeah it makes sense so we, we talked a lot about confidence communication having the hard conversations what do you think? Are, yeah, <laughs> semen retention. Yeah, of course, couldn't leave that out. What do you think are some of the key um, other other key components to healthy relationship dynamics? Is there anything else that comes to mind you feel like is I mean, important I guess for people an, to focus as an on? Overarching theme with I mean, those are like major pillars, right? Sure. Um, as an overarching theme, I would say like it's this figuring out that authenticity. Who who are you in your most authentic expression and i know mm -hmm. this is always changing and it's like not easy to answer either mm -hmm. um but getting way more in touch what that actually is like your values your principles because this is basically the foundation how you can communicate properly yeah how you can build up this confidence because yep. you know what you stand for and what you're like definitely what's not okay um so i think that's that's a pretty important piece At least that's huge yeah. <clears throat> yeah i've always heard um there's three parties to any relationship mm -hmm. you have you try you have you have your own self your partner has themselves and then you have the relationship yeah. and unless you're working on yourself it's not going to work to just work on the relationship Correct. like you really got to come from the, the the source yeah and a lot of times the root cause of of dysfunction is is your own shit yeah you know it's like your own patterns your own subconscious programming that's causing you to self-destruct and 
and have all this self-sabotaging behavior um, that could be hard to, what, what are some ways you found to identify and work through some of those things? Because you mentioned to yourself you had some of that as you were getting into yourself, like the, those kind of behaviors that were obviously self-sabotaging yeah. your, your relationships. I think we all have them, one. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think one of the big pieces is I had to reframe my idea around really embracing truth and being able to see all the flaws and you know like all the the mistakes the failures the things where i kind of like messed up and fucked mm -hmm. up and whatnot even a normal conversation or like in bigger decisions in life uh and taking full responsibility because <clears throat> if you're not being able to take full responsibility for it then you're kind of missing the point of of being able to make changes because you're not putting yourself in a powerful position and you can only make those changes if you take accountability for your actions yeah um so accountability and truth, I think, are big ones. And then you can go into the assessment mm -hmm. of properly reevaluating what is actually happening in my life. Got it. You know. That makes sense. Yeah. I like it. I like it, dude. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate you, the work you're doing, well, Sasha. Thank you, man. And uh, where can people go? Do you, are you taking on clients? Or, or do you have anything that you could point people to if they want to learn more about your work? Yeah, take on clients. One-on-one uh, -on -one clients right now, pretty much only. Okay. Um, and then I'm having a, a group coaching program coming out for men. Nice. Uh, so specifically for men, because in the past I only worked with women, because it just very naturally happened to me. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I had so many. I was like, man, when you start working with men, like you know, we don't have good men out there, and blah blah blah, all these like. And I was like, hmm, okay, yeah. And it took yeah. me a little while, yeah. but now I'm feeling actually really excited, and I have some one-on-one -on -one clients, and like, I, yeah. So this is gonna be pretty cool. Sweet. Um, Instagram, Sasha Hart, yeah. Sasha underscore Hart, or my website, SashaHart.com. Hart with A E, not E A. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll throw the links in the Dope. notes for people. Yeah. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, man. It was fun. Yeah, it was. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found it helpful, please share it along to anyone else you believe it can serve. You can submit your own question to be answered on the show by going to ryankennedyhealth.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show. Your feedback helps to support me on my mission to positively impact as many people as possible with this information. Please note, the information depicted in this episode is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine.